This episode of Good Chat is brought to you by Simmons Homes. Every day across Australia, it's tools up for Team Simmons because their people stand by their promise to start building your new home on time and on budget. So if you're ready to join the hundreds of Australians they're welcoming home each month, talk to Simmons, the great Australian builder. Now on with the show. Welcome to Good Chat, brought to you by Sportsman Mobile and Footy Live. It's time to talk all things football with your host, Jimmy Sarba. Hello and welcome to Good Chat, where we sit down with a special sporting star each week to discuss their story, interests, on-field feats and everything you, the fans, want to know. That's all thanks to Simmons, Sportsmate and the Footy Live app. Of course, download that Footy Live app now. It is finals time and there is nowhere better to get all the news, scores, stats, highlights and pods. And in fact... That new Sportsmate Podcast Network is pumping at the moment. Great things are happening, especially on today's pod. My God, this is a huge moment for me. I'm going to be honest, uh, I don't even care. I'm a fanboy. It's Brett Deledio. He's an absolute superstar, and I don't use that word lightly either. He was a superstar with the Richmond Footy Club and later on the Giants, and uh, he was a number one draft pick who really lived up to the hype, and then some. He speaks about his journey from a country boy in Kyabram to a best and fairest winner at, well, two-time best and fairest winner actually at one of the biggest clubs in the land Brett had to kick a ball into a trolley to get his first senior game as a 14 year old he had Brenda Saywag smash a cover drive at him while fielding at mid-off for Victoria and he also had to make Wayne Campbell coffees to earn his stripes at Richmond he tells me all about that Brett has a great story it's filled with highlights and lowlights he shares it all uh, including the moments he decided to leave Richmond and spend uh, the 2017 grand final at the zoo he is a brilliant man Brett Delidio with heap of talent and he provides us with this week's good chat all thanks to Simmons here we go hashtag good chat and enjoy this one Delidio not content with that comes back winter hard footy letting the fumble Delidio open goal beckons he's got four now to Delidio has done this all night a lot of speed a lot of carry through the middle of the ground 55 out hoist the big one at the punt road end this is just Football by Brett Delidio makes a contest, repeat effort there, follows up again, and the composure, skill, brilliance, everything to finish with a goal. Well done, Brett Delidio. Right, today's guest is a legend of our great game. His commitment, hard work, and on-field brilliance of Richmond led him to become a life member and honourable hero of the famous club. Through his 243 games for the Yellow and Black, he kicked 182 goals and picked up two best and fairest awards with his blistering pace, elite skill set, and magnificent marking. His leadership qualities saw him become vice-captain before becoming an influential leader at GWS over the next three seasons. The number one draft pick lived up to his hype on the field and is continuing to do great things off it through coaching, mentoring, and being a great person for his young family. It's my great pleasure to welcome Mr. Brett Deledio to the podcast. Welcome, Brett. Cheers, Jimmy. Cheers, mate. You've pumped me up there. That's uh, always nice to hear, mate, and thank you for that. <laughs> no problem, mate. Hey, I'll say this. At uni, like when you're studying at uni and even going through um, the early stages of your sports writing and that sort of thing, people say, don't get starstruck. You know, you can't be a fan, who you're interviewing with, be professional, that sort of thing. It's your job. Stuff that, mate. Brett Deledio, you were my idol growing up. Honestly, I don't <laughs> give a crap. I, when you got drafted, I got the blonde blonde tips. I had that, <laughs> oh, dear uh, me. <laughs> that surfer necklace that you were sporting. I went to Bunnings, you know, the ironclad box handler glove. I wore that when I played footy, mate. I bought the Rex owner. You know, Rex owner, Australia's yeah, greatest yeah, athlete, yeah. bought the box set. You were my idol, mate. Who, who was uh, your idol growing up? Oh, mate, I was. I had a couple gut when I was a lot younger. Mate, I loved Michael Voss at the Lions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, I was a Carlton supporter, so um, yep. Cooter man, loved big Cooter. But then it was Juddy later on um, when I was – if I was trying to emulate someone, it was, it was probably him, you know, mm-hmm. just trying to use my speed and, you know, take the game on a bit, kick goals if you could from the midfield. So, um, yeah, I, I wasn't a diehard Carlton supporter. Like yeah. I used to just love watching footy. But, um, yeah, if I had to pick just one, it would be probably Juddy later, but then Cooter. Yeah, yeah, right throughout because he was just – was a Carlton man. So carrying yeah. the ball around in one hand, mate, that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> Yeah, nice. But your, your dad played for Carlton. Was that why you were a Carlton man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So dad was lucky enough to play one game back in 1975. Mm. Um, he was a big full back though. And so he 
Uh, missed out. They had a pretty handy one um, playing at fullback in those times. I think it was Jeff Southby. So um, he just missed. And yeah. I fell 99 games short of becoming a father's son. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, mate, ended up at the Tigs and uh, yeah. very grateful for the career that I was able to have there. That's for sure. Yeah. At the Tigs, you met one of your old mates as well because you played with Troy Chaplin and Jed Adcock, but it wasn't in Kyabram, which are famous at Kai. You're like the celebrity. You're bigger than Gary Lyon there. Um, but you moved to Maryborough. At yeah. that time, um, that 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 team. Did you ever lose a game? We did. I'm not sure we did. To be completely <laughs> honest with you, Jimmy. I was, so my pop got sick um, when I was just a young bloke, and we moved from Machuca uh, then to Maribara to be closer to him and yeah. um, try and help out the family there. So that's where I started, mate. Yeah, and as as you said, Chappie and, and Jeddah both all in one team. Who would have thought um, that you know all through to 200 games players um you know Chappie played off in the granny in 2007 Jed captain of Brisbane Lions um I actually interviewed Jed the other night on ABC and uh said the exact same thing it was just like mate who would have thought that this is (laughs) where old coach jockey sellers would have had us but um yeah mate we didn't lose much we were a pretty handy team and to this day it's still the only premiership I've won so um you got to cherish him yeah, that's right. Hey, at at fifteen, right? You were you had your debut. I think it was at Kyabram, but you could have played yep. at fourteen. And I'm always interested to see how coaches say, "Hey, mate, this is how you get your first game." I talked to Grigger the other week. He had to beat his best time around the oval, or to to get his first game under Pagan. What did you have to do to get your first game at Kyabram? Uh, well, the story that I have told before, mate, was that uh, as a fourteen year old, I was my old man was best mates with the uh, with the head coach at the time. And I was into him. I said, come on, just let me play. Like, oh, I was eager. And I don't, didn't think about getting hurt or anything like that. But yeah. so righto, we're walking off the ground. We're about 50 metres out. And there's an old shopping trolley full of the footies. He said, if you can kick this ball into that um, shopping trolley, you're playing. So I said, all right, yeah. that's a great challenge. I'll see if I can do that. Kicked it. It looks great. I'm watching it the whole way. Bang, lands in it. And I've looked over at him. <laughs> and the old man's just like... Not yet, son. <laughs> I was just like, what? Um, so, yeah, ended up playing, I think, in the under-18s for a couple of games. And yeah. um, But Dad wanted me to play another year just around my age group, playing yeah. in the under-16s. And then um, so I played the first year, had another year of that if I wanted to, but ended up going up to play as a 15-year-old to play senior footy with Kai, which was it just it taught me so much about how to look after myself and faster pace, bigger bodies and whatever else. So, um, yeah, some good memories there, mate. Made some great mates, you know, hanging out with uh, the older boys at, uh, at Kai. Yeah, that's so good. And you were so confident, man, at 15 to go up, or even at 14, you're ready to go into the seniors. Were you that confident with cricket as well? Because you were an absolute star then. How, how's the people you played against? You played against Davey Warner, Jackson yep. Bird, Tom Cooper, and even you fielded against India. Mate, tell me about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. How's that? Uh, yeah, mate. Well, it's a similar thing. I, I think my confidence from the footy came because I was playing A-grade cricket as a 13-year-old um, and opening the bowling for Kai. So I was like, well, if I can do it in cricket, you know, face a hard leather ball coming at me, I can come out there and play footy, which is, yeah. it's not really comparable. But um, in my head, I was thinking that's the way it goes. But uh, yeah, I... Um, yeah, same confidence, mate. But yeah, lucky enough in that 17s um, National Carnival played against, as you said, Davey Warner and um, batted against Jackson Bird, uh, you know, Tommy Cooper. And yeah, mate, that Indian story was... Um, Wait, first, sorry, you made, you made 85 against them, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah mate. mate that's was, not uh, bad. Don't forget that. Wow, mate, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to be humble here, but uh, I was an opening bowler, mate, but uh, could could come out and bat a fair yeah. bit as well. Yep. But to be honest, mate, the, the the wickets that we batted on were like absolute roads. Like, yeah, if you couldn't make runs, mate, hand the bat in, you know, like it was... Um, Still 85, mate. That's not bad. Yeah, tell me about India. You, you fielded. Verenda Saywag hit one at you, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he did, mate. No, we... Um, he... Well, it was this little program called Diamonds in the Rough and um, country kids come down and do a heap of training. And they said, look, we Brad Hodges made 260-odd. He's not going to go on field, so we're looking for someone to come out. Brad, you're going to go on field. And I was just like, I was packing them. I was like, well, I didn't bring any whites. Matty Elliott, good cowboy, said, he mate, chuck these on, put the baggy blue on. Um, and I'm I'm just like a cat on a hot tin roof, just bouncing all over the joint. Verenda Saywag's just creamed one. I was at mid-off and I'm doing everything right, knee down, as they teach you when you first start cricket. It bounces off my knee. They scamper through for one and I'm just like throwing the hat down, carrying on. <laughs> but then I was uh, still standing there like a couple of overs later and because I had the long shaggy blonde hair as yeah. um, you you got, you said, um, yep. when I first started. But yep. uh, 
the Indian crowd thought that I was Ian Harvey and they didn't like Ian Harvey, which I later found out. Oh, really? They started chanting, Harvey's a wanker. And I'm like, well, <laughs> Ian Harvey's not out here, so <laughs> I assume that's me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, mate, look, it was a, a good little eye-opener and, you know, I got the chance to shake the little master, Sachin Tendulkar's mm. hand after the game and, um, yeah, mate, uh, just a, another memory that uh, you're very proud of when you, when yeah. you finish. Yeah, how good to that. Hey, you go and get drafted at number one, number one pick. Um, you get the call the night before to tell you that you've been drafted, but you did think that you were going to go with Jared Roughhead, who's a good mm. mate of yours. You tell me about the feeling uh, when you got picked, but also the feeling to know you wouldn't be with Roughhead. Was it bittersweet or was just too too caught up in the emotion? Uh, well, initially, yeah, the, the night before it was like a, uh, you know, how good is this rough? We're going to live together. We'll buy a place and we'll, yeah. we'll you know, do everything together, um, whatever, you know, and we're, you know, all excited about it that night. Don't reckon I got to sleep until, you know, after midnight, one o'clock in the morning, just things going around in your head mm-hmm. as a normal 18, 17-year-old would be. Yeah. But up the next morning thinking, yes, this is perfect. I'm going to go number one. They've told me that. Um, all the talk is that Ruffy's going to go pick four, which is what they were planning on. And then Hawthorne, they went and buggered it up, didn't they? And took him yeah. at pick two and <laughs> the rest is history, mate. He, he's gone on to uh, win four flags and uh, I've got zero. But um, I was glad at the time because I was petrified of going to walk Kokoda. So I was like, I, I don't want to go uh, to Hawthorne. So I don't want to walk Kokoda. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the boys that I've spoken to, um, you know, good mates with all of them that come through in my draft, is like they said, it was an unbelievable experience and yeah. something that, I'd still love to do, but uh, at the time, mate, I was packing them and just wrapped to go to, to Richmond. And um, then I went and saw Clinton Casey's house, mate, that afternoon and was like, geez, if this is what the footy world's all about, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm it was massive. What was, the, what was the house like? Because it's massive. It's worth millions. What what did it have in it? Uh had like, I think like two or three kitchens, seven bathrooms, uh, like 10 bedrooms. I think it was worth, yeah. it sold for like $25 million. Yeah. Um, about 10 years later so um i was like yeah if that's if whatever clinton casey says get involved in i was <laughs> like yeah i'm tipping in let's do it hey you said then that you read papers and that sort of thing before the draft to see where you'd go did that continue through your career did you read papers and articles about you listen to things people saying or does that fade away uh no no like i used to i think um when, when you're a young guy you're looking for things to really um make yourself feel better if you're not having a great game and that's yeah. what well, i got caught up in it a little bit um yeah. you know reading like big footy forums and um you know i only found out about that though because nathan brown told me that he used to read them and uh so oh, yeah. i was like oh what's this big footy forum all about <laughs> um anyway if you want to deflate yourself pretty quickly get on there and read yourself mm. read about yourself after a, a pretty ordinary game but um no i mean i did but then once i moved to sydney like um it was, yeah, you just, you can't find it, um, which, mm. which was fantastic. So I, yeah. I don't think I've read a paper since I've been in Sydney and like I'll get my, my news and that off, off the phone, but yeah. um, I, I don't read the paper anymore, mate. It's just, uh, when, I, when I was playing, it's you, you can either feel really good about yourself or you can feel really terrible. So it was easier just to yeah. steer clear of it, you know, and um, yeah, no, I... I don't read too much about it anymore, mate, to be honest. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Hey, Nathan Brown there, you mentioned, he was one of the mentors for you. Matty Richardson was in, in fine form. Wayne Campbell as well. When you got there, did you have to make Wayne some some coffees early on <laughs> to earn your stripes? Yes, mate. Yeah, no, I was rooming with Cambo up in Brisbane. Um, so they're real young and the old of it. Yeah. And I just got up to make sure, because I used to wear Speedos before I play, like, and I make sure they were dry, so I've been down the pool. Mm. And he goes, oh, why are you up, young fella? Um, just white with one. I was like, sorry? And he's like, yeah, mate, uh, just a coffee, thanks. Um, I said, I'm not your slave, mate. He goes, <laughs> make me a coffee. I was like, geez, all right, this is obviously the way it goes. When yeah, you're a young yeah. bloke in your room with the old boy, you just do as they say. So, mm-hmm. um he got white with one. <laughs> he was like, yeah, pretty go. good, mate. Thanks. Hey, you earn respect too. Then, you, yeah, you went and moved to the Giants with uh, with Wayno there as well. What about yeah. Kane Johnson? You've said he was a real big mentor and he, he told you something that really stuck with you, didn't it, throughout your career? We'll be back after a quick break.
Yes, mate. Like he, he was um, he was huge for me, and probably like my second preseason, I came back. I had my first year, and everything was going really smoothly. Then I mm-hmm. it was picked in the international rules side, so was like, uh, well, I must be going really well and thought that that training for the international rules was going to hold me in good stead coming back to perform pre-season. And I ran putridly my first day back, um, ran like a 15 and a half minute uh, tan, which was nearly 40 or 50 seconds slower than I'd ever run before. So uh, he just said to me, mate, look, you, you've just you got to change your mindset. And I said, oh, I was trying to save myself a little bit so I could come home really Um like really strongly, but um, I ended up getting, you know, the advice from him was like, mate, you've got to go out as hard as you can and try and hold on. I took that right through my career from then on in. It was like, just go out and you'll never get in trouble from the fitness staff or um, from the coaches. If you try and go as hard as you can for as long as you can, and then eventually you'll just grow that longer and longer and you'll be able to, you'll turn into a, a good trainer, but then ultimately a good player. So that was my philosophy on it all. And um yeah, mate, he, he was fantastic for me. And even when I started to dip in form 2014, I sourced him out because he left the club way back in uh, 2009. I reckon he retired. Okay, yeah. Um, and then he went into this real mindfulness, uh, well-being space. Mm-hmm. And he so he taught me how to meditate and, you know, started to change, completely change my diet. And, mate, my form just went, um, you know, it started scaling upwards compared yeah, yeah. to it was just going flat for a lot of years. And, uh, well, not a lot of years, sorry, but for a lot of games it was. And, um, you know, I had a run there from 14 through 15 where I was playing the best footy that I had been for quite some time. Mm. Hey, quickly, could you tell me about Mark Coughlin? I think you might have bunked with yeah. him for a while. But when, as, as a Richmond fan, I grew up and he was an absolute star. And I told, told all my mates, mate, if we won more games, he was winning a brown loaf. He didn't get injured. This guy was a superstar. Can you tell superstar. me about him? Because I, yeah. I, people say that I overrate him. But what's no, the truth about Cogs? Yeah, mate, Kurt, um, criminally underrated and mm. cruelly um, injured, um, and had some shocking like to do two knees. Um, yeah, you know, he was in unbelievable form in 06 when he actually did that knee. Uh, 05 was an unbelievable year for him. Had already won a BNF, mm. mate. Fearless, like in terms of his attack on the footy, um, would throw himself into packs and underneath knees and. Uh, run back with the flight but mate it, I learned so much from him living with him for the first two years on how to prepare yourself what to, what to do in terms of looking after your body to get up for games because he was because he was injured at the time like and yeah. going through things I learned how to you know take your mind off of that by having something else and whatever else but mate, his rig was like the the best rig that I had ever seen at that point in time and I was just like I've got to get that and yeah. that's what I want so copied everything he ate how he trained what weights yeah. he did um and then yeah ultimately just wanted to so what you saw with that battle ropes photo way down the track that mm. was a, a, as a result of learning that as a kid yeah. um trying to be like cogs and mate he still had me covered no doubt Nah, nah you mate i reckon you covered him by the end of it what was the diet like then to get because you came in like you said skinny arms they were still pretty big for an 18 year old or 17 year old <laughs> and then yeah yeah massive so what was the diet like like how do you increase it was a shock to the system early on um, well, mate, I started doing weights as a you know 16 year old, probably yeah. just through the the AIS programs that we'd been given, and um, so and dad was dad was a pretty big unit. Like he, mm. he used to um, show me quite a few things, which was good too. But a lot of the time, mate, it was um, I didn't realise until a fair bit later that what you actually put in your mouth actually like yeah it shreds you more so than just you know you can train really hard and you can lift a lot of weights and whatever else but Mm. it's until you start to really watch what's going in your mouth that that's when you cut up and you start to um you know really start to look your best and it probably i reckon i was probably feeling at my best when i was up in sydney and one because you're up there and you're sweating so much and uh you're training in the heat a lot so you cut down a lot but uh, i also because of my injuries and couldn't get on the park, I really started to change the way I was, um, what I was doing to try and strip down weight and um, take the load off my carbs. So mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of different ways around it. You can um, do it the quick and easy way and juice up if you want, but uh, I wouldn't recommend it if you actually want to play footy because you're not allowed to do it. Yeah, 100%. Hey, consistent performer all the way through in, in Richmond, 08, 09, back-to-back Jack Dye medals. Was that, well, you said, later on was when you felt your best, but is that your kind of highlight at Richmond? Were they your favorite years? 
Oh, that, that, 08 was a, a special year. I thought we were actually we were a better side than what we proved um, in, as a result of the end. Mm. Uh, we, I think we finished ninth again. Um, <laughs> we come home. We yeah, come home with a wet sail. I think we won eight of eleven in the last uh, the last half of the year, but we just started so poorly. Um, and because of what it was, I really started to feel like I belonged out there. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, just could find the footy consistently. We're kicking goals and. You know that that was it. It was a it was a nice year. But oh nine was a different year because I started the year pretty poorly. To be completely honest with you, like I was still playing good average footy, but I wasn't dominating. And it wasn't until I got challenged and nearly got dropped halfway through the year um, because of a lack of defensive running. Cambo calls it, and uh, yeah, I was nearly left out of the team. And from that point on, I became like a a tagger, and I was always going to go to the best opposition uh, midfielder and. Mate, learn a heap about my footy, but also, um, you know, started to really value two-way running and what it actually can do for your game. So, I uh, yeah, ended up that was that was a really rewarding year. And then 2010, I went back to half back um, after starting the year as an on-baller. Okay, went back and uh, finished third, I think, that year. Um, filthy about it, as you would expect. <laughs> but <laughs> Jack won the Coleman, I think, that year. Yeah. And, um, finished off all of our good work up the field, but, uh, and then 2011 to 2010 finished second to Trent. So he was, um, he's a pretty handy player. So, you yeah, know, you bad. can, you, d- you just play your, you just play your role and, and then see which way the votes land at the end of the day. But um, yeah, mate, uh, I think ultimately my, my favorite year was probably 15, to be honest. Um, that's where I didn't play every game, but I felt like I was having the most impact on, on games uh, and 2012, 2012 was a pretty good year uh, in terms of so my all Australian years were both my uh, yeah both my years that I was really um, feeling like I was going my best. Yeah, unbelievable years, mate. As I said, you're my favourite players. I watched every one of them, but luckily, I think it was lucky that Plough wanted you to play actually up forward. And didn't he tell you to gain more weight? Or you were 90, 90 kilos around 2007, 2008 and wanted you to play full forward. So lucky yeah. that didn't eventually. What happened there? Well, it started that way, but um, yeah, that was the start of 08, actually. Yeah. So he he thought that I could become a, a permanent full forward, like yeah. similar like to what Brad Johnson was doing late in his career at the Bulldogs and just play alongside Brownie and, and Richo, uh, which was a nice idea. And so I got a bit heavier. I got up to about 90-odd kilos, uh, 91 kilos, and um, it lasted all of about half a game i reckon round one <laughs> so i kicked a couple didn't have a great yeah. game um but yeah what i did learn was that playing in a forward line with big ricky maddie richardson was hard work because he's just such a vocal point mate and yeah. um and unless and then he ended up getting moved up to the wing but i started i played more as a half forward so i was up the ground as well yeah um so i was you know getting my touches up the ground, but really just trying to have as much impact on the game as I could. So it was a competition out of myself and Brownie and Richo to see who could get the most score involvements um, every week. And then by the end of the year. So, you know, it was, that was where I probably honed my craft as a half forward, but then uh, yeah, so that, that was, a, that was a good year. But then even late in that year, I started to play more midfield time as well, because I think we, we'd lost a couple and whatever else. So mm. Yeah, mate. The 90 kilos didn't last too long. It was stripped back down and yeah. get back to work. Brilliant. I always wanted to ask you about the 2009, I think it was around 20 brawl, uh, Collingwood Richmond. I think oh, Shane, yeah. Yeah, Shane O'Brien and Dane Swan were on your two-on-one. I think he might have pulled your hair at one stage. It was almost, I don't know if he got it, but from the camera angle, it looked like he did. He was pulling your jumper. They try and get him in a, uh, a shepherd arrangement back-to-back. Oh, the Collingwood boys tackling. Look at the Collingwood boys. They're into up with him on top of you, Jakey. It's a group drawing, and Jake is being pounded into. Well, Everyone on the ground's in the fight here. And the ball footy's still going, Brian. They've called and, play on. It's and, bouncing around in the middle of it all. There's 15 a... fights going on. What was that like to be a part of? Yeah, so I remember that because I actually got fined and I challenged it. Uh, yeah. So Jakey and I had to go to the tribunal to um to fight that to get on. I was like, mate, well, one of my mates is being belted and yeah. jumped on and attacked by these Collingwood um boys and you want me just to stand there because this is what the uh opposing uh qc or whatever he was was saying so why didn't you just move on with like what joel bowden did he grabbed the footy and kicked it and i was like 
Uh, yeah, Jake would be real pumped with me if I just grabbed a footy and <laughs> exactly. left him there to be bashed. Yeah. Um, considering what he would have done for me if that was me being done. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, I remember grabbing off, uh, I think I had Swanee pulled Swanee. Uh, him off Jake, but then he's got me, so I'm holding him like a yeah. uh, trying like this to keep my head down so I wouldn't get hit in the face. He's got me by the hair because I had long hair at the time. <laughs> and I'm like, mate, what do you want me to do here? And you're still going to try and find me. So I yeah. got off that, which was nice. But um, <laughs> yes, mate, I think Jake had rubbed a few of them up the wrong way uh, did, earlier yeah. in the day, but uh, I didn't see any of that, of course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just sticking up for me, mate. Of course, mate. You always did that. I love it. Uh, 2016, now, there's a lot of pressure. Um, coming for you as well. And I think you felt the team pressure because the Tigers did rely on you. Like there was a great record when you were playing the Tigers won when you weren't playing, they didn't win, but did that, that affected you, didn't it? Oh, I did, mate. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, when you talk about before, we were talking about reading the papers and mm-hmm. whatever else, and it probably goes away from papers, but more onto Twitter and yeah. whatever else. So you, you see all the, the things that come up and whatever else. And uh, yeah, mate, I, um, I heard my quad early and that's like uh, late in that preseason. So only a week and a bit out from the round one. And um, so I missed the first five games, played round six or maybe it was even round seven. And we're playing Port Adelaide. And uh, they they brought, they were missing a heat too. Most of their stars weren't playing. So we were like, oh, well, surely, you know, after 15, we're a really good side. We, we should have actually finished top four. We didn't. Um, we got nutted by North Melbourne in the elimination final. Wasted year. 16, right. We're a year older. We should, we should be better. Yep. We start the year like one and five or something like that. So we're going backwards at a rate of knots. Um, and I'm feeling like, right, well, I'll come back and, you know, because I'm reading all the press and I'm believing it, you know, I'll come back and we'll be sweet um, and feeling the pressure that, you know, I need to perform and this is the way it'll go. Uh, anyway, we get nutted um, against the, you know, not second rate, but like their second string almost, yeah. Port Adelaide. And I felt this overwhelming pressure of just like, well, I was playing, we still didn't win. And now we're one and seven or two and seven or two and six or whatever. Uh, and we're, we're really floundering away at the bottom half ladder. This is supposed to be different. Driving home, I feel all of that just comes to a halt, drive up my street, crying and carrying on. I don't know why it was, but I was just like, I'm so, I'm just fed up, mate, with uh, just being average, you know, like I'd been through a, quite a lot of years of just not being up to this, up to standard and wanting, you know, working incredibly hard to try and get back and to be the fittest I could be to really, I thought that would help the team. Um, but then when, you know, yeah, it, it doesn't result that way. And I know there's a lot of other factors at play as well, but you feel like, the world's coming down. It's just going to be another wasted year. And that's when, you know, thoughts started to creep in. It's like, well, mm-hmm. how long do you put up with this in terms of continuing to play footy and not enjoying it? Um, or do you look for something new and something different? And, you know, that's where I sat up with my wife until like one, two o'clock in the morning, just talking about, well, what are the other options? And like for the rest of the year, I got back and started playing some okay footy, but went back to half back for the latter part of the year. And, um, but then injured my calf again. And that sort of, you know, heighten things again. Uh, well, maybe this isn't the right place for me. Maybe I do need that fresh start. And then we play well and I'd be like, no, nah, I'm going to stay. And then we yeah. lose again and I'd be like, no, nah, we're going to, I'm going to go, you know? Yeah, so yeah. it's like, I went back and forth. I don't know how many times, but um, ultimately made it come down to decision was I need a fresh start. And um, I'm not sure I missed out on the chance of leaving in 2009, um, stuck around and said, no, nah, I want to see this out under dim. I want to see what he's got. Um, and you know, the team that I could have gone to ended up going pretty well. Um, well, there was an option to go there. I don't know how true it all was and whether it could have been worked out, but yeah, I didn't stuck it out. And all I could see was this is going to happen again. You know, mm. I'm going to, um, there's a chance giants were uh, played off in the prelim going really well, but then, uh, you know, maybe I can go up there and things will change. Maybe I can jump on that and, and just finish off my year. But mate, <laughs> Uh, what I have learned is as much as you try and load the dice in your favour, you cannot control it, mate, and you need a lot of luck going your way. And, yeah, so it, uh, yeah the grass isn't always green, to put it that way. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you don't mind me, you probably won't tell me anyway. Who was the team that you maybe were going to go to back then? Oh, there was an option like the Pies, and I think Luke Paul ended yeah. up going there because he was that free agent, I reckon, at the end of that year, mm-hmm. uh, 09, and then um, – yeah, I remember him training by himself and seeing him do like hide his personal training and doing all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. But um, I was 
I never really thought about leaving until mm. like post it all. I was like, oh, imagine I could have done that. Yeah. But then like I signed a three-year deal, stayed with the Tigers, said to Dimmer, yeah. mate, no, I'm staying. Yeah. Um, because I wanted to build it and I, I love the place, mate. Look, to be honest, I yeah. love um, the Tigers, but hindsight, mate, you sort of, you look back on it and you're like, oh, imagine if I did. So then when 16 rolled around and we'd had a putrid year and I was sort of like, well, um, the thing was I wasn't out of contract, but mm. I was, I was getting, I was, filthy with footy and I just wasn't enjoying it. So I was like, well, let's make the decision and see where it goes. Yeah, mate. No one could blame you. I mean, nobody predicted. I'm the most optimistic Richmond supporter in the world, mate. 2016, there was no way you could predict that the next year it was going to turn around like that. You even had a chat to Dimmer and Dimmer said he, he it feels like a father figure, Dimmer. I don't know what, what yeah. it felt like for you, but it looks like he said um, to you, mate, I'd want you to, to um, experience what I experienced as a premiership player. So I think yeah. you should do what's best for you. And was that the kind of, the you know the um the message that you're like yeah no i'm ready to go now because of the advice from dimmer and that sort of thing yeah i mean i had a great relationship with dimmer we'd speak after every game Mm. um you know about team performance about my own performance he he rode me really hard in terms of wanted you know always wanted me to become more than you know kept kept the carrot dangling in front for me to always chase you know it was never a pat on the back after a mediocre performance. But, um, and that was what it was like with my dad as well. You know, yeah, dad was okay. very, um, he was like, yeah, have 40 and keep a couple of goals. And he'd be like, yeah, but mate, you could have had 45 if you just did this, this, and this, you know, yeah. sort of like, it always, always chasing that perfection yeah. versus, yeah. um, and, you know, some people would see it as glass half empty, I suppose, but I, I always saw it as well. You can always try and be better versus being comfortable with where you're at. Anyway, that's beside the point. I went and saw a demo and said, mate, I think I'm, I need a change. Um, I want to go to the Cats. And he said to me, well, I think, have you thought about going to the Giants? Get out of Melbourne, get out of Victoria. Mm. I think they're the team, given what we'd just seen. And I was petrified of going to the Giants. Like I was like, mate, I've got a young daughter, 18 months old, and I want to take my wife up there, no support. Um, you know, we want to grow our family as well. Yeah. And I'm going to do it all up there. Uh, anyway, I pretty much knocked that on the head, but then once the deal couldn't be done with the cats, um, you know, I went up and saw Wayne and, uh, the guys up at the giants and yeah, eventually made the decision. I knew all along that the giants were the best decision in terms of the team because of, you know, the quality of the team that was up there. But I always liked the idea of playing for the cats down by Torquay, man. I've always wanted to live down there. Mm. Um, I'm trying to still convince the wife I'll be working at it until I die. I think, but, um, (laughs) That was always a dream, you know, yeah. live down in Torquay, play for the Cats, and they've been consistent for how many years, like mm. always playing finals. Um, deal couldn't be done. So then it was – I actually met with the dogs in between that as well and yeah. um, uh, had a chance. It was come down to, well, do I want to go to the dogs and go and play over there or do I um, stay uh, – or go up to the Giants or do I stay at the Tigers? And, mate, after I went and um, – Went had to go back into the club to go and see our physio. And as soon as I walked in the doors, I was just like, I don't think I can do this for another 12 months. Um, and that's ultimately what made my decision. Yeah. So it was um sad, mate. Don't worry, I took and throwed and I there's yeah, a whole was, like yeah. butterflies and felt sick about yeah. it. Um went back and forth, spoke to Dimmer again after like saying, No, nah, I'm actually gonna stay. And then it was like the next day that I went back into the club and I was like, No, I can't. So I was like yeah, mate. It wasn't. It's not just a toss of the coin. Like people yeah. think he's just like, oh, he left for money. Well, I didn't. I gave up money to go up there. It was just a fresh, completely fresh start. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. um, yeah, mate. It's it didn't work out in terms of everyone says, oh, well, you could have had three flags. There's no guarantee of that. Mm. Um, my body was not reliable. And but what I did learn is a heap about myself, about my family. Um, I learned a hell of about a lot about uh, resilience and mm-hmm. uh, an ability to. Um, find the better things in life other than just footy and made it held me an unbelievable stead in terms of my life after footy now um, in what I can one offer my my young clients but two in just in how I view the world you know I've, I've not only been just entrenched in a Richmond system and that's all I've known for my whole career I've then gone in spirits living in a state yeah. um, travel and moving your house and your whole family and whatever else but then another system you know and what they're like so um yeah, mate, I feel like it set me up perfectly for life after footy. But mate, in the same breath, I'd love three flags as well. Um, and <laughs> yeah, well. that was what I worked towards from the day I got to Richmond. Mm. But, um, yeah, mate, if you speak to Chrissy Newman at all on your on your potty, mate, you can 
ask him about the training sessions that we used to do. Uh, we'd be starting our running program like the first week of finals after a couple yeah. of weeks off. And we'd be like, listen to that noise, mate. Like, that's exactly what we want to be playing. And yeah. that's what drove us ultimately to try and get there. So we'd mm. be busting our ass to try and get there. But it wasn't to be, mate, unfortunately. But um, that's it. That's what it's – that's footy, isn't it? That's, yeah. uh you got to be in the right place at the right time. That noise, but how different is that? You know, like Richmond, you know, big crowds, that sort of thing. When you run out to the Giants, do you, do you actually think about it, the, the crowd? Does it make a difference <laughs> yeah. to you? Yeah. Mate, it's no uh, – yeah, chalk and cheese. Uh, yeah. That's nine, uh, 2013 grand, uh, final that we played, that elimination final. We hadn't been in the finals for 12, 12 years, I reckon, not since 02, was it? I think the last 01, time. Yeah. Was, 2001, yeah. So it was a long time. Um, so Richmond fans, mate, they, they've got a lot of noise <laughs> built up inside of them, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And, and I remember looking at Chappie and Newey as we run down to the punt road then, I was just like, God, how good is this? Like yeah, hair yeah. in the back of your neck and I'm just goosebumps all over. And it gets to that point in the song where it's like yellow and black and then, mate, yeah. it was just uh, vibrating around the ground. But um, that wasn't to be that day, but the next <laughs> – I've had that side of it. And then I've had the prelim final where it was like 95,000 again, but only mm. 1,500 to 2,000 for giant <laughs> yeah. supporters. So it was like uh, I've had, you know, the, the huge noise of adulation and I've had the yeah. booze and, and the whatever else. Um, and, yeah, mate, look, ultimately I never got to experience a win in front of the Tigers fans in a final. But, um Mate, well, I played in some big games in front of the in front of the fans there. Sheeds and Herdy's last game, I think we had like ninety two thousand there. That was a massive day. That mm. big final. We had a couple of big Dreamtime games where we smoked the bombers. And um, mate, yeah, look, it's completely different to uh, um, the best that I got at the Giants. I think was the packed out. Well, not even packed out, but the elimination final we played at home. I reckon the dogs v the Giants in yeah. 2019, my last game. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, mate, completely different. Mm. That's that's uh, 2017 final. So you played injured, didn't you? You had an Achilles mm. problem. How the hell do you run through that in a final series? Uh, yeah, well, it's hard, mate, because I, I thought that might have been my one and only chance to play off in a flag. Um, yeah. So I was hanging on for dear life and, I'm since been watching Callum Mills and I've even spoken to Jared McVeigh about it. Um, he texted me after I did my calf in that, um, that 2019 uh, elimination final. He said he did the same thing back in 16 mm. and got through to play in the ground. He just did everything right. So I was like, right, well, it's still a chance. Yeah. So um, obviously his brother was our coach at, um, at the, at the Giants, So there's the connection there, but I texted him and said, mate, this is what I did for my Achilles tendonitis for Callum Mills. And you can see, and I'm watching him warm up and I'm just like, I know exactly what that pain is like. It is horrific. Yeah. It, you can run, but it is excruciating pain and you, you've lost all your power and explosiveness um, to the point where you feel like you're going to, um, you're going to snap it, but you know, you're not going to, if that makes sense. So, like when I was playing in that that prelim and I'm chasing Jason Castagna and Rioli and Butler and they're charging back down through the middle of the ground and I'm just thinking, oh, my God, I'm, I'm just going because I, I know I've got to chase him. But <laughs> Achilles feels like it's like screaming at me, just that'll do, mate. Um, yeah, mate, it, it was it was, it was disappointing because you built yourself up and got worked so hard. Calves were actually good, but then my Achilles just decided in that it was in the um, the week off that we had. We trained pretty hard, and I probably did a little bit too much just because I was so eager to you know be really fresh and feeling great. Did too much and then hurt my Achilles, and it just lingered, mate. And it lingered for oh, probably a good month or two after that, that game where I just um, you know I was walking a fine line really, but that's an excuse, mate. So we don't use it. We just say that that's what it was posted. You don't use it in the time. And mate, I was yeah, um, disappointed that it just didn't work out. I hate to bring it up, man, but the the next week, obviously at the, uh, the grand final and you did everything right to avoid the game. You went to the zoo uh, and you went to the park, you were shooting noobs and in all the places in New South Wales, there was a bloke next to you who had the game on in his pocket. What are the mm. chances of that happening? Yeah, um, hell freezing over, I suppose. But um, <laughs> yes, as you said, went to the zoo, took my little girl there, and it was all my wife's decision. Mate. She thought it'd be best for me not to get caught up in the game and yep. um, and watch that just purely because she'd seen how bad I was um, in that week leading up to it. 
Um, so we went away, turned the phone off. Didn't I didn't check it the whole way. Thought, right, let's go and kill some more time. Let's go up to the the park in Balmain and mm-hmm. um, just shooting some hoops there and whatever else. Watching my little girl ride. She was just learning how to ride a bike. And yeah, mate, this bloke's got it in his pocket. I was like, go and get, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I said, like, I just ran away. So we went to the other end. I said, I'm not yeah, listening yeah. to this. I don't want to hear any scores yeah, or anything. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so sitting down later that day and then saw the score late in the last quarter and the Tigers are up comfortably. And I was just like, oh, mate. He, and I've explained it before that um, on The Simpsons, one of my great shows I used to watch before every game, that mm-hmm. Ralph Wiggum, uh, when he gets his heart broken by Lisa and you can actually you can yeah. see his heartbreak, that was me, mate. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, mate, that it, it is what it is. Oh, I'm pretty comfortable with it now. It's... Um, yeah. Yeah, that's one thing that I won't have, but I'm pretty proud of the career I have had. And um, that's that's just the way it goes, unfortunately, mate. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You should be, mate. You've done everything else and you're an absolute champion for it. Before, I know, mate, I've, you've got to go soon, but there's so many. I could talk to you all day, buddy. But one thing I want to know is be, you had strict routines. Like you used to put your left boot on first or your left sock, not do your laces up until you went in the team meeting, that sort of thing. But when you when you had your kids, you said that your life changed, like your, you know, your thinking changed. You weren't worrying about that stuff too much. Was that was that still into it or after that you just went with the flow? Yeah, it's it's funny. Like I wasn't superstitious in that if I did do it or I didn't do it, I'd yeah. get really nervous and I knew things would be bad. It was more just routine that it just the way it worked out. And I, then I noticed that I was doing left foot first before okay. I put my right foot, and yeah. um, and I just I used to try and stay as relaxed as I could. So I knew that if I kept my laces undone before I go into the team meeting, that I that was something else that I had to do yeah. um, that I couldn't run around and get too amped up. You know, mm-hmm. I was just cruising around the rooms and. Uh, it was also took my mind off all the things. So I knew I had all the information. I didn't need Dimmer to then feed me with more stuff going into that last meeting. So okay, I was like, yeah, right, yeah. man, I'm just I'm just doing my shoelaces. <laughs> um, and then when I'd had enough, and he, he'd tell you this, um, and Tim Livingston was in there as well. He, he goes, he always knew when we had enough because I'd stand up and I'd be like, right, come on, <laughs> let's get into it, mate. We've uh, we've heard enough. Yeah. Um, I start shaking the legs out, and I start. That's when. I, but to me, that wasn't me telling him to wrap it up. That was me just saying, right, it's time to switch on and start. Yep. We're getting into this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, mate. Once I had Miller, uh, that was. In 15, uh, halfway through 15, we, yeah, you, you just got other things on your mind. Like, yeah. um, uh, I wasn't as in tune and making, I just had to make sure that I had my socks packed and my bike shorts and uh, my mouth guard was there. Uh, and then it was like, did it, did, did we get feed? Did I change it before I left? You know, all that yeah. sort of rubbish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, other things on your mind. And when you come home from the game, it wasn't thinking about the game as such. It was more about, right, I, well, I know she's due for a feed. So mm. luckily the Ashes was probably on and I could sit up and watch the cricket and make sure I settle on her and mm. all that stuff. But, um, yeah, yeah mate, uh, it does. It, it just completely changes you and you've got other focus points. But, um, yeah, it's, I had a run of what, eight seasons in a row where I didn't miss and then mm. uh, kids come along and I couldn't stay on the park. So you probably say I made the wrong choice. <laughs> nah, not at all, man. Hey, hey tell me about Brett Delidio now. Is that you're a player manager? You were doing some coaching. What does the life of Brett Delidio look like now? Yeah, so now I'm um, yeah purely entrenched and full-time uh, as a player agent, mate. With The company looked after me in Max Sports and, mm. mate, I – I feel like I've really landed on my feet with this one. It's um, I, I tried my hand at coaching with uh, with the Hawks, and um, very thankful that they gave me that opportunity. You know, I was a stoppage coach working under Scotty Burns, and um, obviously Clarko, and my best mate Newey, who was there as well, which was which was awesome. Um, but mate, COVID hits, and you're just given the lemonade and sass real quick. You know, which was understandable, mate. I don't hold a grudge by any stretch, but. Yep, yep what I did learn was, um, you know, how much is entailed in, uh, you know, the coding of the game and um, having a heap of vision to support your argument versus just how you see it. Yeah. And which is um, completely understandable. I just was probably shocked at the amount of work that the coaches actually doing. got a real appreciation now for what the coaches do behind mm-hmm. the scenes. Whereas the players just roll in, you're like, uh, come on, mate, where's this vision? Why isn't it done yet? And you're like, mate, well, one, the computer probably shit itself or yeah. you, um, the kids were being annoying that night or whatever. Um, so you become a lot more understanding. But yeah, yeah, yeah. in that sense, um, now going into player management is that 
I've learned all of that stuff that I learned when I was coaching and then being able to take that through and give, offer that to my young boys now and uh, that I'm looking after and, you know, really do um, specialised game reviews almost with these young boys and really just try and teach and elevate their game, which is something that we see is a really strong suit for us um, and a strong part of our management style leading up into the draft because next year, obviously, for these young boys that are not getting drafted this year is their most important year. So if we can help them, um, you know, heighten their game, because essentially, mate, there's no other managers out there that have uh, come as fresh out of the game like I have, which yeah. is, um, you know, without pumping my own tyres, mate, that's just the, that's just what it is. You know, a lot of these boys have no doubt they've played footy and whatever else, but they haven't been able to, they haven't played um uh, to what I did, but mate, I'm not here to knock them down and say that because everyone's got their own strengths and weaknesses. Mm. Um, but that's where I feel like we can really help these young guys. And yeah. mate, I went through from under the you know, 12s right through the program to uh, the under 18s of, you know, your nationals, your NAB league or TAC cup it was back then. And, you know, they've got questions about feelings and thoughts they're having about their game. And I reckon I've been through it in the years that I've played my footy. So mm. Um, yeah, mate, we, I'm absolutely loving it to be honest. And it's yeah. uh, very rewarding. And when you see guys put things in play that you've spoken about with them, um, through their reviews and their, um, the feedback they've been given uh, and they say, geez, that actually works, mate. That's really rewarding for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you, yeah, you know, hopefully we have a, a couple of guys with their name read out this year, which would be, um, you know, you say, yeah, we've put that work in with those guys and shown them, um, how they can elevate their game. And if, if that happens, mate, that's that's the the all the rewards you need. But um, ultimately, mate, it's about just helping them on their journey and yeah. helping them achieve, you know, what I did, um, if not better, you know, yeah, throughout yeah. Uh, throughout their careers. And it's a it's a bloody great job being an AFL footballer, mate. But it's it's bloody hard to get there. Um, yeah. So you've you've really got to put the work in and the time and effort into to try and make sure everything's in your favour. Yeah, no, that's so good. That, and especially, like you said, it's fresh out of the game, very relatable, and you've gone through it all. So how often are you talking to these guys? Is it a daily thing or weekly? How, how often are you talking to the boys? Well, it varies, mate, player yeah. to player and, and whatever. It's it's like a some guys really crave that constant weekly um, vision and, and feedback on it all, and then yeah. other guys are bits more, you know, that's okay, mate. We'll look at my good ones and then yeah. we'll forget about the, the <laughs> yeah. shit ones, but yeah. that, that's okay. Look, it's... Um, yeah, mate. Oh, it's just player to player. You, mm-hmm. you sort of you're just regularly keeping in touch and making sure they're feeling okay. The hardest thing for most of these Victorian boys, mate, is they've been no footy, you know, and yeah, just trying to keep Definitely. them on track and keep them motivated to stay fit and mm. and whatever else is probably the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. All right, to end off, mate, I got ten quick questions, and it's all thanks to Simmons Homes and the Simmons Footy Festival during the final series at Sportsmate and Footy Live. Uh, Lids loves the Footy Live app, of course. He like he reads all my articles. He said, "Yeah, brilliant. thanks, man. I appreciate that." All right, first one. Uh, keeping on the home theme, if you could build a brand new home anywhere in the world, where would it be? Oh, that's got to be in Torquay, doesn't it, John? Well, no, the weather's not quite warm enough. Okay, uh, if enough, I was yeah. building a dream one, mate. I'd... I'd probably go to Melbourne's most most northern suburb in Tamusa. Noosa. Um, yeah. <laughs> with all the uh, yeah the people up there that yeah. go from Melbourne every year. Yep, love it. If you could add anything to your home right oh, now, what would easy. it be? Yeah, what is it? A little man cave, mate, with a TV yeah. and a yeah. and a little fireplace in there. Um, yeah, I'm currently in talks with the the better half at the moment as to yeah. how I achieve that. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. You got to have a place to watch your NFL. You're a big NFL lover. Love it. Yeah. Uh, favorite food of all time. Oh, favorite food of all time. That's a great question. Mate. I'm Italian heritage, so it'd have to be some sort of pasta. Yeah. Um, and I always said to keep when kids ask me, so I'd say my mum's lasagna, and it yeah. still is right up there. Like mum's lasagna is top notch. Um, but I, I like my own. I do this prawn linguine pasta. Yeah, mate. yeah. And it's. Um, without pumping my own tyres, like it would probably win MasterChef. Yeah, no. <laughs> perfect. I always wanted to know because, it, like, you never talked about your Italian heritage much. My nonna used to love you because she's like, ah, Daledio, è italiano questo. I'm like, yeah, it's Italian. It's my favourite player. So is it your mum and your dad? So nah, both nah, Italian? Mum's not. No, nah, it's, it's dad. Dad's grandfather came out from Italy, uh, yeah. Giovanni Battista Daledio. Um, I was actually, I was there back in 2014 or 15. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, and I said, when I was into, in a restaurant, I said, gave him my license and said, how would you pronounce this, man? I just want to yeah. know. And he's like, that second E is like an A. So it's actually Daladio, not Daladio. Um, 
not the Lydio like we say yeah. here in Australia. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I claim it, mate. But um, yeah. I'm as Aussie as the day is long, you know. But I, I love. <laughs> nah, it's in the blood, man. It's in the blood. blood. That, that's why that's your pasta's so good. Uh, number four. Why are you so scared of birds? I think, and, and I, Mum locked the door on me when I was in the chook pen because her family come from a, a farm, so they had chooks, and I reckon I got stuck in there one day, and they started flapping all around my head. Uh, and there's vision of me actually ducking out of the way of the pigeons on the ground <laughs> on the G one day. Dad, Dad had a good laugh about that, but um, mate, they, they make me panic. I don't know why. Yeah, I know a few boys like that. Um, favorite alcoholic drink? Oh, probably have to be a beer, I think, mate. Yeah. Is there a particular uh, one you like? Well, I drink a lot of goats. Um, yep. I'm not sure whether you follow the Instagram story all through lockdown last year. It was very much fire pit and a yep. can of uh, goat beer. Yep. But yep. I do like a whiskey and I like a red wine as well, mate. So I'm not, I don't uh, discriminate too yep. much. Very good. Who wins the 2021 flag? Melbourne for me. I think the way they've set up the grounds and, and that their defence is just so strong. Yeah, and uh, big Max Maxi Gorn is a Max sports athlete, mate. So we'd love to see him uh, premiership captain. Would be fantastic. Yeah, I hope they do as well. If you could have dinner with any celebrity in the world, who would it be? <laughs> Can it be a sports star? Are they they yeah. kind of celebrities. Yeah, they're celebrities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I toss up between Tom Brady and and LeBron James. I think. Yeah. Um, I've always just probably. Yeah, I've been a mad Lakers fan for years. Not mm. just wherever LeBron goes, mate. I, I support the, <laughs> him. I get got every jersey pretty much. But yeah, nice. Um, they're just one of the, one of them. One of them two boys, mate. Probably brilliant. If you had to choose to be head coach of Carlton or Collingwood at the moment, Oof. vacant spots. Who do you pick? Is, is it the the, uh, the Carlton fanboy come into it at all from when you were young yeah. or not? Probably a bit of emotion more than anything coming. Yeah. Uh, the old Carlton and Carltonians, but I don't know, mate. We've, uh, yeah, I think probably the Blues, yeah, if I was choosing one, mm-hmm. but um, more emotion than anything else without looking yep. into it too deeply. Yep. Yeah, cool. Last one, most important one, your favourite song of all time, Brett. Ooh, favourite song of all time. Mate, I was a big Eminem fan way back yeah, in the day. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've always thought that the way I am, would be a song that I'd choose if I was like singing it, but like it's it's probably a bit crass with some of the lyrics and that that are in it. Um, and mate, I don't know. I've never really narrowed down on on one um, single song to be honest. Like I'm just a I don't mind rap. I don't mind heavy metal. Um, a bit of Metallica fan. Um, listened to a lot of Linkin Park and Limp Biscuit when Park. I was a kid growing up. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe nothing else matters. Metallica. Perfect. Nothing else matters. Yep. Done. Awesome, mate. You're an absolute legend, Brett. I can't thank you enough for coming on having a chat, man. Honestly, it means it means a lot to me. It does. But it means a lot to the listeners as well to get your story out there. And I wish you all the best in the future. Uh, the best player agent in the world, I reckon. So talk to Brett Delidio. Thank you so much, mate. Absolute pleasure, Jimmy. No worries at all, mate. Anytime. So close. The 50 inch by inch for the Tigers this time. Ruval putting his body on the line like he has to. Delito up the notch, he's close.